You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill, good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an, of- an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 years minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in New York City. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know. And then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 183 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there on their hump day Wednesday? Yeah, guys, what's the word today? Halfway through? A couple more days? I got a couple more days and I'm on holidays. Yeah, Las Vegas, here I come. Looking forward to it. Getting out, relaxing, seeing what's out there. It's been a while since I've been to Vegas. A couple, well, obviously, didn't go last year. Um, yeah, we go every year on the school break, so looking forward to it. But in terms of the show, I have some. I will have some episodes, as they say, in the can, so to speak. So I'm not going to leave you guys hanging because I'm gone for quite a while, ten days actually. I've basically gone over three episodes, so. Um, yeah, I will. Uh, I will have some stuff scheduled. I have a excellent Doug Smith interview that I will be putting out next Wednesday, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good. Um, Doug and I talked. We we talked way back when on the old message board days, and and in fact, Adam, the author of his book, I was talking to Adam while well, the the book was just an idea at the time. And he was sharing stories, and we, we talk about all that. But, um, and I know Doug, uh, you know, he's done a million interviews, and everyone knows the story and all that. But, um, uh, I tried to do uh, a, a different interview. Um, 
I didn't get into the, well, I mean, obviously we talk about the Bylaws fight, of course, in the movie, I'm in the book, you have to, right? And we did all that, but, um, you know, I, we really, um, I really talked about his, his career in Carolina and the East Coast League and just the different teammates and the different guys that he played against, the Grant Ottenbright and Darren Misiak and guys like that. And, um, and then, then his time in the, in the New Brunswick Senior League and, and, um, yeah, I mean, we just kind of talked about different names. And I, I don't know. To me, it's a it's sort of a different Doug Smith interview, and um, a, a little more in depth than usual. And, uh, and Doug was really generous with his time. I think we go about two hours, and um, yeah, and I and I think it's a real honest interview. And uh, you actually get his honest feelings on the movie. And uh, you know, um, yeah, and I you know I, I appreciate Doug for for taking the time and uh, I know he, he got injured in a chair of all things of all the things he does he gets injured in a charity game so he's actually laid up for a little while here so um well it's an arm injury so he's walking around but you know what I mean he's uh kind of off work for a while so um you know it's I you know it, it sounds mean but I guess, well, I guess we had nothing but time at that point but um no Doug was great with his time we talked a long time we talked about his work with the Bruins and and uh training guys and and really the art of fighting and um yeah and i and I think it's a real solid interview and i I really enjoyed it, and I think you guys will too i think like I said it's um everybody see that's the thing when you interview a guy like that that kind of everyone's interviewed and everyone kind of knows the story it's like well we're gonna do same old same old or you know we're gonna try something different and um yeah, and I think it's just a real it's a different interview and i I think you guys will really dig it so um yeah, so that'll be on Wednesday. Um, and then I'm also, I mean, I'm talking to Steve when Probert was king, I'm talking to him tomorrow. So, uh, I'm going to record that and that will be the following Wednesday's, uh, episode. And, uh, yeah. And I think we're going to do kind of a history lesson here with Steve. I mean, we're going to go back and, uh, really talk about the beginnings of the fighting in hockey. I mean, Steve's a real... He, he does like deep, deep dives and, and he does a lot of, a, a lot of research and I'm really looking forward to, I mean, this is completely out of my depth. I have no idea. I mean, I've heard some Sprague Cleghorn and I mean, I've heard some of the names, but it'll be interesting. Some of the stories that, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sure Steve will be telling. So really looking forward to that. Plus we get an update on the drop your gloves website that Steve did the whole GoFundMe for and really got behind and has been, has spearheaded. And really been the driving force in this whole thing. Um, we're gonna see where that's at um, with him. So I'm really looking forward to. And I, I've had Steve on before. I always enjoy having him on. So yeah, we'll do that. And then um, oh, there's a Sunday episode in there that I got to do too. I will probably do. I'm not sure. I will. I'll come up with something. But like I said, I will. I won't leave you guys hanging. Even though I won't be here through the miracle of scheduling. Um, I, I will have some stuff done for you guys. So I will, and I, uh, yeah, I will do that. And I certainly, um, uh, will not, <laughs> I'm certainly not recording anything while I'm in Las Vegas. I can tell you that. So, um, yeah, but, uh, I'll have my, the, my wife will bring her laptop. So, I mean, you know, I'll be bouncing around Twitter and on Facebook and keeping in touch that way. But, uh, yeah, so that will be happening while I'm gone. Um, I hope everybody had a had a had a chance to check out the uh, the uh, the back episode that I just did with uh, with Dave, fellow Saskatoon guy here. Um, yeah, and it was funny because we talked about well, we talked about a number of things: Rick Rippin, and Tanner Lasan, and just various names. But we also talked about Saskatchewan senior hockey and all the different leagues and Dave, how Dave grew up with it in the small towns, and just talked about a few of his experiences and a few of his friends' experiences playing senior hockey. Wow, wouldn't you know, what does Spittin' Chicklets uh, put on social media today but a fight in a senior hockey game in Saskatchewan uh, on the weekend? Like I said, well, there you go, folks. You could Dave and I weren't lying to you, see? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the boys got after it and battled for it anyway, so that was good to see. But, uh, yeah, classic Saskatchewan senior hockey without a doubt. But, um, yeah, I hope everybody goes back and checks it out. Also, just like I said, this is episode 183, so please uh, check out the back catalog. Uh, you know, uh, goes way back. Morasti, McIntyre, Tedarenko, Roman Volpak, Clark Wilm, 
Frank Kovacs, Kent Staniforth, on and on. Um, definitely give it a listen. Uh, do two shows a week, Wednesday and Sunday. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think if you, and if you're new here to the show, welcome. Um, I will say the last few, few, um, the last few months, I think has really, uh, has really seen a bit of a, not huge or anything. I mean, you know, we're not battling spit and chiglets for podcast supremacy or anything, but, um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, gaining some momentum, some different, uh, some new listeners and, um, I think it's with the diversity of the guests, really. Um, it's not just players. Uh, I've had, like I said, I had Dante on, a Dave on, and uh, different fight fans. And, of course, you know, they have their group of friends or, you know, uh, followers. And, you know, maybe people tuned in and enjoyed that episode. And, you know, oh, well, maybe you'll check out this guy's episode next week or something. So I think I've gained some new followers. Well, I know I've gained some new followers because the numbers have gone up. But uh, um, in terms of listens, so... Yeah, I really appreciate uh, all the newer listen, all the new listeners that are tuning in, and um, as I say, keep expectations low, and we'll be good. But uh, in all seriousness, though, I really, I really appreciate. Uh, hey, you guys for jumping on the bandwagon here, and I and I hope uh, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, like I said, I think that it all ser- I think the show is an acquired taste. It's certainly um, I like to think unique. From, from the other hockey podcasts that are out there. I mean, you can spit and hit a hockey podcast these days. Everyone and their dog has a show. Um, so I think, uh, you know, a lot of it's obviously current stuff and whatever's happening or a team show. And I don't know. I think, I think you basically have to sort of have a theme these days. Um, of course, what is my theme? I don't know. I guess old time, old time hockey or just, I don't know. I just say fight. I suppose, yeah, I mean, you know, what else am I talking? It's not like I'm talking about goals or power plays or anything. So I guess it's fight podcasting. But I think with, um, you know, you get player interviews and that type of thing. And, uh, you know, I'll try to do a little different. Or, you know, go back and do some research and, um, you know, maybe bring up an old, um, you know, an old story or an old name that uh, either haven't heard for a while or have never heard of. And, uh, and just stuff like that. Like I said, it's... The, these episodes now, when it's sort of myself just sort of ranting away and howling at the moon, um, sort of like a, a rant, rant type show. And um, every once in a while I'll talk about current stuff, but uh, for the most part, uh, no. <laughs> uh, no, but um, what are we going to talk about today? Let's, uh, I don't know, um, one of the topics I actually wanted to talk about um is Probert hate. Um, we always talk about, you know, the fanboys of Bob Probert and on and on and on and uh, how um, everybody sort of just fawns on him all over him on the on the Facebook message, on the fight groups and stuff, and which is true. But there's also sort of a growing um, sort of resentment to him uh, or some hate. And hate's a strong word, but for the exercise, go with me. Um, and... And it's interesting, and it's, uh, you know, so we'll kind of take a look at that. Um, also, what do I have written here? Um, I've had a, I've actually had a few people uh, ask me questions here lately, and I figured, you know, for to um, for content, you know, I'll, I don't want to call this a question and answer episode, but it might not kind of turn into one, but we'll talk about other things, but... Um, of course, I mean, everybody likes this Mount Rushmore thing. Somebody asked me the minor league Mount Rushmore, which was, and I sat and thought about it. It was actually really hard. Um, cause I mean, you know, the, you know, it's, I mean, what's the right answer, right? I mean, you know, everyone has their own. So, um, I'll do that. Um, best WHL fighters I ever saw, um, players that I was surprised never went to the LNAH. And, uh, guys that I've done a complete 180 on. So, some good questions, actually. And the, what, a couple of them were just topics that came up in the group that I thought were pretty cool. And, uh, talk about that. And, uh, Tim, no list today. I've been, I've been last, for the last, like, m- two months, I've been kind of doing these top ten lists that people have sent me. Top ten flyers. Top five Bruins. Top ten blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know. And I enjoy doing the list, but I think, uh, you know, it, it somewhat gets a little played out after a while. So I won't do a list today. I might do, I might do a list on my Vegas uh, episode, but not today. But uh, I should talk about the sponsors first of all. 
Uh, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented on the network. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show you should check out. Um, I'm on the original content side, original creator side. And uh, yeah, myself, Terry Ryan, there's a number of shows uh, that uh, that are away from the NHL. So uh, yeah, give the network a, go to the website, check it out, see all the different shows and uh, you might find there's a few unique shows that you might, uh, you might dig. So check it out. And then of course, for my uh, off network friends, of course, I got part-time Ole, Olin, Sa- Coden Salem, as he's known as. Uh, five Alec at the Five for Fighting show down there in Florida, Florida man with his uh, Taiwanese uh, massage parlor sign in the background. Um, you'd have to see a, uh, the YouTube live to understand that. But uh, actually, Alec is feeling under the weather right now, so he is uh, the last couple of days he has not been uh, recording. Obviously, so hopefully he'll be bouncing back here right away. Uh, he, I know he wants to get out in his new Jeep and barrel around, and you know. I think he's probably looking for a lift kit, probably put up a set of brass, uh, what are the brass balls hanging on the trailer hitch or something. He seems like that kind of guy. So maybe a don't tread on me sticker on the back window. I don't know. Whatever those Florida types put on their stuff. But, uh, Alec is, uh, he is a member of the six pack coverage uh, network. And, uh, and I, I always hate to admit it, but he has a tremendous back catalog. Segroy, Bialoas, Rob Ray, definitely give him a listen. Um, Young dude, oh, to be young again, but uh, he actually he started up. He's down in Florida right now. They're moving. They're moving at the end of the year here, but um, for now, he is uh, a season ticket. Okay, easy for you to say. He is a season ticket holder for the Florida Everblades at the East Coast League, and he's kind of really gotten into it. And uh, you know, he kind of knows the talking to the guys down, the players and stuff. And he's had a couple of them on the show, and. Um, yeah, and the East Coast League's been pretty hot for tilts this year, and, uh, yeah, and he has, uh, he's been kind of, he started an East Coast League, basically he started the YouTube channel, so it's five for fighting on YouTube, definitely give it a, a, a give it a look-see, and, uh, you gotta keep it on the download, because he's got East Coast League fights on his videos, for his videos on his channel, so hopefully he doesn't get shut down, I know he got one of them, one of them shut down the other day, one of the videos, but, uh, yeah, he, subscribe to his channel, let's get that going, and, uh, but definitely check it out. He's actually had a pretty couple, he's had some pretty popular videos. Of course, the Subban incident, and then he had a, the center ice incident, uh, you know, in warm ups. And yeah, he's had some pretty popular videos here this year. So, um, yeah, he's gaining momentum, gaining followers. So get on YouTube, Five for Fighting YouTube channel, subscribe, and, uh, for sure. And, uh, check out the podcast. Like I said, he does a great job. So Five for Fighting podcast. And then, of course, we've got Broadway Joe Lazito. Down there, working out of MSG, the world's famous arena at Madison Square Garden. If you're ever looking for a hookup for a ticket, Joe's your guy. Go to the ticket window, ask for Lazito, and there you go. Joe, Joe's your guy. Actually, Joe's got a really, uh, really interesting episode. Uh, it's a obviously it's an anniversary episode of a very unfortunate incident. But uh, of course, Joe. If you don't know, type in Joe Lazito on Google and go read that. It'll come up right away and you'll you'll hear Joe's story when he actually took down a serial killer at a New York subway. And uh, yeah, and it was it's the, uh, I believe, 11 year anniversary. Um, I have downloaded Joe's episode. I have not had a chance to listen to it in the truck yet. Um, or was that the other? Now I'm get, hold on. I'm getting my episodes mixed up. Uh, no, I listened to the last one. So I haven't had a chance to listen to his anniversary one yet that he just put out. Um, yeah, I'm behind, I'm one show behind everybody right now. Um, yeah. So, um, what was I saying? Yes. No, Joe. Uh, yes, it's a very important anniversary. Uh, obviously a, a life changing incident and, uh, and it's a, it's a unbelievable story. I've had, I mean, Joe's told it a bunch of plays, obviously on his show, I've had him on my show way back in the day talking about it. Um, he wrote a book. And, uh, yeah, I definitely encourage everybody to check that out and listen to that story because it's quite amazing. But uh, Joe survived it, bounced back, and uh, Joe's a fighter. And I'm glad he's still around. And, uh, yeah, I've known uh, Joe a long time. We go way back to the message board days. And, of course, Joe uh, 
Remember, for those older folks, uh, the Bad Boys books that Stan Fischler wrote. You remember, you guys remember those? Uh, Joe really helped out on those. As well as the old Tough Guy magazines. Joe was um, a very big part of those. Wrote many articles for those. So yeah, Joe's been around, knows the game. And uh, and and always fun to talk to. I talked to Joe quite a bit. And um, yeah, he... Uh, so not only is that story... Unbelievable, but um, yeah, he uh, it's a he has a. I, have I even mentioned his podcast yet? It's Coliseum Chronicles. It's a New York Islander based podcast, and he's had tre- again tremendous guests on, going back to Mick Fakota, Dean Ewan, Strudwick, Asham, Bolton. Um, definitely give it a listen. Um, Joe's thorough, does a great job. Matt Karkner, uh, all those guys. Uh, you want to know about a guy, Trevor Gillies? He still hasn't finished that interview. I think they're about, I think they're about a dozen episodes in. But uh, he, he, Joe does a great job, gets great stories out of the guy. So definitely uh, give Joe's back catalog a listen. But uh, whatever, we will. Uh, I, I usually I kind of mess around with Joe a little bit, but uh, I, I won't in this occasion. But uh, I do encourage you to check out his anniversary episode and hear the story if you do not know the story of Joe Lazito definitely check it out Broadway Joe Lazito Coliseum Chronicles give it a Lazito alright guys well ahem. here we go it's late Tuesday night and uh, this episode has to be out tomorrow so um, I will not mess around too much but um, like I said one of the one of the things that came up um it was on the message board, and I've and if anybody has listened to this show for any length of time, you have heard me bitch about the Probert fanboys, and I am a massive Bob Probert fan. He is one of my all time favorites. Um, when I do a top ten of all time list, he is my number one guy. Um, but I am op- I am definitely open to hear other suggestions. And uh, I'm not, oh, it's Probert and everyone else is way behind. No, I'm not that guy. Um, I've had some say Dave Brown. I can see that. Uh, LaRock. I can see that. Um, it's very, although LaRock's closer to Probert. I was going to say it's very hard to, because then you had the Ben Wilson thing. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to cross over eras. Um, cause some will say Bugard. Um, I know Mike Segroy does and I, I get where Mike's coming from. Um, you know, it Bugard, what is it? It's, uh, he has Bugard, McIntyre, then Probert and Twist and LaRock kind of in that three, four five spot. Um, you know, I, it, like I, like I said before, it's hard for me to argue with a Mike Segroy who fought these guys. He fought Segroy McIntyre, or Segroy. Segroy fought McIntyre and um, Boogie, but um, so obviously his his opinion has a, it carries a lot more weight than mine for sure. And I'm not, I'm certainly not arguing that fact. Um, I guess my counterpoint to that would be the cross. Um, it's it's hard to cross over eras for that very reason as Bugard and McIntyre were basically trained fighters on skates. Um, whereas Probert in that era, you had to play a little bit. Um, well, Probert played 15, 20 minutes a night, you know, on top line minutes. So, which, which actually makes in because twist has talked about this exact thing, which makes Probert kind of all uh, actually even more incredible was he had to do all that with a regular shift too. And I mean, and he legit played 15, you know, whatever, 20 minutes, you know, second line minutes a game and power play time. And, you know, so he took a regular shift and he had all these guys, you know, knocking on the door all the time, which he most of the time answered. So you think of that too. So, you know, he's not just a three shift a period guy. Twist mentions that like Twist said, how much easier is it for me to sit at the bench? I'm warmed up. You know what I mean? Like he's, 
you know, um, you know, he might be a little stiff from not skating, but you know what I mean? He's sitting there kind of getting to get amped up the whole time for it. Well, meanwhile, Probert's got to concentrate on actually playing and then Twist could just come off right at him, right? Uh, whereas he's just been thinking about it the whole time. So that's definitely, um, uh, impressive on Probert's part to be able to, um, maintain that. So, um, you know, but that's neither here nor there with this argument. I was just sort of, you know, throwing that out to light. Um, now, I am certainly not in the camp of, because uh, nothing drives me, Probert fanboys drive me nuts. Um, and you can't, there is no, you can't have a logical, I've tried, you can't have a logical debate with them or you can't, there's no, you know, Probert walks on water and, and there's no, you can't talk to him about anything else and, you know, whatever. But I think in, and, and that's a, a very popular sort of, um, sentiment on some of these groups that Probert could do no wrong. And, um, and I think over time, um, I think there's sort of some resentment as far as these groups go. Cause it's, like I said, it's it, man children in these groups man child they can't you know common sense just does not wander into these groups most of the time but so i i think much i don't know much like spoiled children there's almost that resentment and that pushback that oh yeah well he wasn't that good cuz and then they have all these reasons now some of the reasons are not without merit but some of them are just are you just trying to find something to bitch about? But, or, you know, um, and, and of course the, the obvious one, um, you know, which is sort of, you know, whatever, it's kind of a low blow, but at the same time, eh, low, low blow, eh. um, but it's sort of, you know, is the Coke thing, you know, oh, he was coked up. Well, I think that's sort of been kind of blown out of proportion. Was he at some times? Yeah. In the Detroit years early on in the, in the mid eighties. Yeah. But I don't think it was every game. Um, like you talk to some of these guys, it was always every game of his career or something. And it's like, well, no, because at the same time after the border bust and everything else, and when he was reinstated as his wife states in the movie, he was clean his entire career in Chicago. So, you know, and he had to do drug testing and stuff. So he certainly wasn't on Coke his entire career. Um, you know, and I don't, and it's, and it certainly wasn't every game. So, uh, the, the Coke thing. And then I've always said too, well, it was the mid eighties. These guys had a lot of money. If you sort of think Probert was the only guy on, on the booger sugar. Yeah. You know, I don't think so. So I think it was rather... Well, I don't want to go on far out and say it's, it was very prevalent, but um, I think there was far more guys into the coke scene and stuff that then get... But, I mean, they could do it. They could party and do it in moderation and other guys, of course, like anything. Um, much like Probert's case, take it to the extreme and and that's what happens. But um i can i will bet all the money in my wallet for sure that he was certainly not the only guy on coke in the nhl in the mid 80s so um you know that's like it's like the old twist steroid argument all oh, twists on roids well okay well okay but you, you don't think anyone else was like you think he was the only one that was on him so eh, you know so okay so that's your one chink in the armors with probert with the on the coke okay well there's one Two, of course, well, and this seems to be, and, and I don't know if it's newer fans because they're not, like, they're not used to the rules, but of course they're always, oh, well, Probert always cheated or got the advantage because he took his jersey off. Now, again, this is a topic we I've, I've beaten to death on this show, so I won't go too deep into it, but I'll just say, like, when they when you claim Probert had an advantage, you're sort of insinuating that he was the only one that was allowed to do it. There was no rule against tie downs or not having tie downs, so anyone was free to 
go sans jersey. So it's certainly, when you keep saying it was an advantage, you're acting like the other guy wasn't allowed to do it, which of course is not true. So, and lots of guys, either guys have tear away sweaters or sleeves. They, like I said, they criscoed up their sleeves to make them, you know, slippery. Um, there's lots of tricks to trade groove, put grooves in your helmet, blah, 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 put tough skin on your knuckles. Um, it was the wild west back then. And any guys would try to get an advantage any way they could. And, you know, is that wrong? Is that cheating? Yeah. You know, yeah. What's the, what was the famous saying by the Oakland Raiders though? If you're, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So, you know. But at the end of the day, it's a fist fight. You're trying to win a fist fight in front of 20,000 people and hundreds of thousands on TV. And for a lot of you guys, you're on the bubble every year. Your job's in the line. And you're going to do whatever you have to do. And I don't fault these guys. I mean, you know. Now, did it get extreme? Yeah, it got extreme. But at the same time, like I always tell these guys, there was no rule against it at the time. Now, once the tie-down rule came in, well, if you came out, if you didn't tie down, and eh, okay, that's a little, that's pretty cheap. But when it was wide open and there was no rule against it and stuff, eh, to sit there and cry that he was cheating or whatever, nah, you know, because everyone was free to do it. So I'm certainly not going to put that one against Probert. Um, but just to go to the group here, uh, to the this is what kind of sparked this whole. Um, uh, deal that I'm talking to you about. Um, just kind of going through the uh, through the thread here. Um, yeah, this this guy, oh, Prober could really take a punch. Oh, really? You had dropped his ass for a real long count. Oh, same with Morissette. Simon had destroyed him. Jennings dropped him too. Like this guy's just other than one guy. He's just every time, anytime he has a chance to take a, a shot at Probert, he will. Oh, amazing, Probert. Like, Okay, basically, I should preface this by saying I had put up on the board the Probert-Reed-Simpson fight. And these are the comments to it. And it's a pretty good fight. It's actually, they go back and forth really good. And kind of at the end, Probert kind of takes over, kind of, uh, actually looks like he catches Simpson really good towards the end of the fight, and then he goes down. Didn't knock him out or anything, but, you know, it was a pretty good, pretty good shot at the end. But, um, yeah, oh, amazing, Probert's jersey came flying off. Too bad every fighter didn't do that back then. Intentionally want their jerseys to fly off. Of course, he writes it in big capital letters. See, again, every fighter could do that. So I don't know why, but again, this is your, you have to get on, you have to shit on them somehow, right? Okay, fine. Um... Then this one guy replied, Oh, I can't stand these Probert worshippers as though he walked on water. Tough, absolutely, but rather co-confused to say the least. Yeah, okay. Um, which I replied to him. He didn't walk on water and he had his faults without a doubt. But the other side of the coin, the reasons some will use to discredit him are equally as eye-rolling. He was also clean for over half his career. Um, so then this guy replies to the guy that was... You know, the Probert worshippers comment. Oh, you're exactly right. I've seen much better fighters in my 60 years as a fan. Oh, my. Really? Now we're going to go deep into these much better, much better fighters. Oh, okay. So, which I replied, much better in LOL. I'm curious to know who was so much better. Of course, this guy, oh, I feel the same way. They're like Mike Tyson fans. Every excuse in the book and he's untouchable. Okay, well, I don't know. I know if this Mark guy won't reply to me, though. I've, I've called him out a couple times. He won't reply, which is kind of funny. But, okay. Oh, four or five points. Just because, just because a player has 900 fights doesn't make him the best fighter of all time. I saw Orlan Kurtenbach, Ted Harris, who were definitely better, and even his contemporaries, Ben Wilson, Dave Brown, Coaster, Simon, Paul Laws, to name only a handful, were at least as good. That's funny. I thought everyone was... They were so much better. I thought, what happened to this so much better? Um, Of course, I replied to this. Well, his contemporaries say he was the best, so there's that. Um, Kurtenbach and Harris never faced the guys Probert did night in and night out, which is why comparing eras doesn't work. All the fighters you listed were excellent, but your initial statement was way better, and that's a bit of a stretch. This guy, agree. Don't think for a second there weren't very tough guys and great fighters back then. I can rattle off 20 or 30, no problem. 
again, I don't know who said there wasn't great fighters. That's not what I said at all, but okay. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, here's my reply. Never said they weren't, but it was a completely different era and mindset. Fighting wasn't used as a tactic and guys weren't gassed up and trained fighters on skates as that later, as it later on became. Um, oh, actually he did reply to me. He must've erased it. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, like Orlan Kurtback Harris, like I've heard the stories and stuff, you know, come on, I, you know, and then it's Ben Wilson. See, Ben Wilson and Dave Brown could be in the conversation. I guess the comeback from a Probert fan is like, well, Probert kind of put down Brown. So, yeah, I guess, you know, there's that. Um, you know, Simon took a pretty good chunk of Probert out there in the playoffs, um, you know. Joey Koser, mm, I'm a big, I love Joe Koser, big, massive fan of his, um, but he was definitely, now I'm not saying he couldn't have been a number one, because he could have been, but at the time in Detroit, he was number two, and if you go and look at his fight card, I think it reflects that, myself, um, Koser's fight card with the, with the Red Wings, eh, you know, really, I'm just I'm not trying to be like discredit him, but it's like he was Robert. He he was Robert. He was Robin, and Probert was Batman. You know, I mean, they were probably the greatest, or if not one of the greatest one-two punches ever. I'm not without a doubt. And Coaster had the big right, and you know, and he knocked some dudes out without a you know, and he was scary, far scarier puncher than Probert was, um, but. I don't know, like I said, look at the time from 85 to whatever, 90 or whatever, or however long Probert or Coaster was in Detroit um, with Probert. Look at their fight cards. Tell me I'm wrong. It's like, eh, you know. And uh, after, I, I always thought Coaster's best work was with the Rangers myself. Um, now, him and Probert had some good fights. Um, I don't, I don't know if you could give that didn't really lay any claim to who was better. Um, I have a hard time. I would have a hard time putting Coaster. Dave Brown, I would go with you if you wanted to put that, put him in front of Probert. All right. Or kind of a 1A, 1B-ish kind of thing. That's probably how I would do it. Um, Simon, mm, yeah, I mean, okay, it's like, well, he beat Probert. Well, Simon was 23 and Probert was 30. Now, again, 30 doesn't sound old, but when you've been fighting since you were 16... And you've ha- and you went through the shit Probert went through. I'm not again. I'm not trying to make excuses and sound like a fanboy. Um, I'm just. It's not exactly prime Probert. Um. So, uh, you know, uh, thirty though thirty. Yeah, I guess. Nonetheless, but I'm not trying to. Do- Simon picked up a huge win in the playoff fight against Probert without a doubt. So. And Simon was a legitimate bad dude that I, you know, could have definitely made a run at the, you know, at a, at a, at a top 10 spot. Um, but it's just the injuries. And, you know, to me, the fight numbers weren't there. And, uh, but he started strong and unfortunately with the shoulder problems. Uh, I don't think we ever saw the real great Chris Simon. We saw glimpses of it with his fights with Dave Brown and stuff like that. Um, early on Quebec stuff and then the early Colorado and Washington stuff. He was tremendous, big guy, left-handed, mean, could play. He really was the second coming of Probert. He really was. I mean, you know, he had the 29 goal a year there, big, and then you know, 20 fights, and was dominant, and you know, was a top guy, um, and that you know had all the makings of kind of carrying that torch. You know, being the next to carry it really, and then it just like I said, just the shoulder problems, and he just couldn't fight anymore. He had to wear the braces and shit, so. Yeah, it was kind of that one of those what could have been. But for the time that he did it, I, without a doubt, would I put him in front of Probert all time? Eh, no, I wouldn't. Um, well, this guy apparently is, but, you know. And Paul Laws, that's an interesting that he put Paul Laws. Um, Paul Laws is great. That completely underrated, in my opinion. Um, was he a better fighter than Probert? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I'm going to, after I'm done, I'm going to go down that 
Law's rabbit hole. Um, again, I'm, I will say he's the only guy that I know that caught Berube like that. Um, yeah. Well, talking about one, two punches, Laws and Morell in Florida, unbelievable. But like I said, you know, you're out there on the coast and no one's really sees you. And, you know, and I think Paul Laws for a lot of people flies under the radar. And again, another guy, unfortunately, his career got cut short with the wrist, but, um, he could hit, man. Yeah, I'm down with Laws. Now, again, was he a better Probert fighter than Probert? Eh, I don't think I would go that far, but he was good. Um, I kind of think this guy's really grasping at straws with the curtain back Harris thing. Now, am I going to sit here and claim to be a, an expert on either of those gentlemen? Uh, no. Actually, this is, it, now that I'm talking about this topic, I don't think Steve has read this or, or whatever. I'll bring this actually up tomorrow when I interview Steve. I'll ask him about this because this is right up Steve's alley. He's into the seven, like, seven, he's a real historian. So he'll, he has far more knowledge on Kurtenbach and Harris than I do. Um, and I, again, I've heard the story, great fighter, good boxer. Um, but like I said, to my reply to this guy, those guys just didn't fight like these guys did. Um, they, you just didn't back then. And they didn't have the guys coming after him like that. Like I said, it was a different mindset. It was a play first mindset. Um, when fighting wasn't used as a tactic and the gang fighting and all that. So, you know, that's like everybody, oh, Ferguson was the best ever. Well, you know, you know, at the time, I mean, some people have said Ferguson retired undefeated and whatever. You know, I'm not knocking Ferguson at all. But, you know, again, the footage just really isn't out there. So, you know, I, you know, I can't, who can really say any of this? But, um, again, he certainly didn't face the level of competition that it would later on become. Um, not to take diminish anything he did. Because, again, and a great player as well. Um, and, and even for all his fighting, and he's considered the first enforcer, air quotes, um, it was still play first back then. So, yeah, I mean, again, the, that's where I go back to this comparing errors. You really can't. So, um, cause there's just so many factors involved, but, um, it's interesting. I mean, I guess we've kind of beat this topic to death here, but it was more interesting. I've, and I've seen it a lot more lately and that probably in this last year and a half, a lot more Probert hate coming out, um, and I and I, and it is definitely uh, due. It's definitely backlash to the Probert worshippers, and um, without a doubt, and and I get believe me, I, I I find both of them. It's sort of like politics with the left extremist and right extremist. I find both very annoying. I'm finding both Probert worshippers and haters both very annoying, um, but not to say both sides don't have points. Like anything, but um, sometimes I think the expression of same is, uh, yeah, it's a little far-reaching at times. So, but anyway, I just wanted to throw that out, uh, that little topic out, Probert hate. Yeah, I don't know. Um, ah, now, some of the questions that were asked... Um, the, of course, everybody's talking about the Mount Rushmore. Actually, in fact, I, I know it's part of Joe's episode as well as the Islander Mount Rushmore. Um, minor League Mount Rushmore. That's so, yeah. I mean, it's a tough one because you can, I mean, there's lots. I mean, you have older, older players or old timer fans. They'll throw, they'll, obviously, they'll throw different names in. Um, for myself, I think John Brophy has to be in it. Uh, legendary player. Uh, legendary coach, um, and just sort of, it's not a knock on Brophy, but it's like everything about him screams the minors and bus league and just tough, iron lung, just, yeah, scrap iron. That's Brophy. I think Brophy, uh, Dennis Bonvey, all-time minor league penalty minute leader um, or American Hockey League penalty minute leader, did it forever. Took on everybody multiple times. Fortunately, played in the NHL for a while, so he made some NHL money. He's doing very well as a scout now. He's been on a number of teams at the NHL. Um, and he's kind of, I think he's the head of a department. I believe it's the, is it the Blackhawks? Bruins. Ah, I can't remember, but he, I know he's been on a few teams. But uh, he's doing well scouting now, which is cool. Um, 
Yeah, but in terms of his like his fight cards, his fight cards ridiculous. Um, his fights were ridiculous. No, the 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 fact that he's like five foot ten and one ninety, two hundred pounds. I mean, not the biggest guy, but Bones would fight everyone, hang in there, go toe to toe. Um, was a showman. Um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Brophy Bonvi. Um, Now, I mean, the fan of me wants to say Mel Engelstad, and that I, I don't. If anybody, I don't think Mel would be wrong. Mad Mel, I think you know that would be a tremendous. You could put him on. I think you could put Frank Bialowis on there, the animal, who at one time when he played for the Phantoms was as popular as Lindros was, um, which is almost I shouldn't say almost up there with Lindros in terms of popularity of flight because they played the spec right across the street. By Lois jerseys were everywhere. Um, yeah. Um, hey, Link Gates, the stories of him are legendary. I mean, I think everybody sort of always views Link as an NHL guy, but he really only played one season. Um, you know, would, would he play 80-some games in the NHL in total? Um, and then, you know, his lifetime odyssey of minor league leagues continued, or where he bounced around the IHL, the American League, and... Um, East Coast, banned from the East Coast League, and then, you know, played, what, five or six years in the, in the Quebec League. So, um, you know, Gates, ugh, legend isn't even the right word for that guy. Um, so, I mean, all these guys could be on there. Um, Serge Roberge, there's another guy. Minor League legend, fought everyone, did it forever, played in all these different leagues. Um Seldom lost. I mean, you could put Jacques Mayotte. I think Mayotte. Mayotte and Robert are really up there. That's, mm, yeah. Mayotte, again, did it forever. Did it in a lot of leagues at a very high level. American League. Um, Colonial. Western Pro at the end. But didn't lose many. The mailman always delivered, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, I think you got to have Jacques on there. And I think a contemporary, I mean, I don't know. Some people might roll their eyes, but, I mean, fuck. I mean, go look at his fight card, and it's morasty. I mean, seriously, how do you argue? Like, it's, go look at who he fought. I mean, his fight card's ridiculous. He had almost, what, 400 fights? 500? Toe-to-toe, wide open. Halfway through the fight, he's pointing to the crowd or trying to get the crowd into it. Like the ultimate showman, he's got the mohawk. Goes over to Russia, puts on a show over there. I mean, Quebec League stuff. I mean, nasty morass. He's got the great name, like the nickname and, you know, marketing and t-shirts. and um, Really, I mean, for a modern day guy, I think you got to. Don't you? I mean, you know, I mean, maybe some people are rolling their eyes, but I mean, like the, the proof's in the pudding, you know? I mean, and this isn't some, oh, they got to be because they never lost or whatever. Yeah, okay, they lost. But I mean, you know, in terms of like when you say their name, people are like, you know, that's the thing. Oh, they're minor league guy. You know, you know, they never made it to the show or whatever. But you say those names to people, and people know who those guys are. Like they sort of transcended the bus league. I'm not, I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but you know what I'm saying, though. So I think that's what who, that's who my picks were. Who do I? Just, those are my picks, and I can't remember who. I, oh, Brophy, Bonvi, Mayotte, and uh, Morasti. I think that's who I'll go with. But ask me next week, and it'll change up. But. Um, some of the best WHL fighters, best WHL fighters I ever saw. See, this is kind of tough because, I mean, I saw a lot of these guys live, but they might not have fought. I've seen some of their stuff on video, but again, a lot of video isn't available. So, um, from, well, I know the what there's one video that there is video of every one of his fights is Scott Parker. And I've always said, um, in my viewing generation. Um, Scott Parker's the best junior fighter I ever saw. And, uh, and we're fortunate enough as fans that, um, 
we're able to see ninety of about ninety five percent of all of Scott Parker's fights from his first fight in the Western Hockey League to his final fight in the NHL. Most of, if not all. Like, for an older guy, I mean, nowadays, yeah, every fight's available from a guy if he starts, you know, whatever, from 2000 on. Yeah, sure, all their footage is available from every league. But when you talk 70s, 80s, 90s guys, it wasn't. But Parker was one of the rare guys that it was. Um, So definitely him. In Saskatoon, being here, and I went to a ton of games back then, I was fortunate enough to see Wade Belock, um... Come in as a rookie and grow to a first round pick and to go on to the NHL career that he had. He was tremendous. Never, he, I don't want to say he never lost because he lost a couple, but not many. Wade was awesome. Yeah, Wade was one of the best. Brent Myers is another one. Um, big lefty. Um, ended up having to see more of him on video, but he did fight and, uh, we had a guy, Rhett Tremblay. Some of you folks out there will know who I'm talking about. The Golden Rhett. Tough tough guy in his own right. I'm a massive Tremblay fan. But him and Myers hooked up a couple times. And Myers took it to him a couple times. And we had never seen that before. Because, you know. So, yeah. Myers is legit. Um, from the Portland video, as I've seen, Kale Hulse and Brad Symes were awesome. Kale Hulse was unbelievable. Big left-handed. Yeah. Killer. Um... And Rocky, Rocky Thompson, there's another guy. Um, saw a bit of his fights. Him and Wade Belak had a great fight here in Saskatoon one night. We were at that game live. That was an unbelievable fight. That fight is actually on my YouTube channel. Check it out, Rocky versus Belak. Another great fight, of course, was the Rocky-Scott Parker fight in Kelowna that everyone was waiting for because they were the two kind of kingpins and everyone was waiting for that fight to happen. And that, It's a pretty interesting fight. It's pretty funny. Um, I would love to have more of, I have some of Rocky's junior stuff. I'd love to have more of it, but it's unfortunately not available. Um, as most of the stuff isn't, but, um, yeah, I think those are the guys I would pick Parker and Rocky, Belak, Myers and Kale Hulse. Um, now I know some people, oh, Dave Brown or Coaster or Twister, they were in Saskatoon. That was a little before my time. Now I was born when they were playing, but I wasn't going to blade like I'm. I saw twist. Well, I take that back. I have video of twist it with the blades on my YouTube channel, Chase and Twist and those guys. But that was kind of like I was ten, eleven, twelve years old. So I remember them. I remember some of their fights, but they didn't make at that age. They didn't make that much. Like I don't have it committed to memory the fights. But again, I have some of their fights on video, which is cool, and they were great. Um, Coaster, I never. I never saw play Wendell, Dave Brown. I never saw them play with Saskatoon. That was, or maybe I, I maybe I did, but I was like eight or nine, ten years old, so I don't remember. Um, but you know, and then there's always like, oh, well, back to Al Tour, Gillies, and well, okay, but that you know, we're, <laughs> a little before my time. I'm just saying, in my time of watching the Western Hockey League, those are the guys I'm picking. So, um, guys that didn't go to the LNH that surprised you. Um, Segroy was a big one. I was always surprised Mike Segroy never went. Yablonski never went. Um, just for the fact that they were friends with like Morasti and those guys. So surprised they didn't get, you know, get him in for a payday. Um, Trevor Sen, Willis, Frank Littlejohn. Those guys surprised me. For the fact that they stayed in the United League all those years and, they would have got paid way better in the LNA age. Um, so I'm surprised. They would have had to fight more, obviously. Um, again, um, I'm not sure if Alec asked that question. I probably did. It, like I said, you hear so many interviews and you have so many of your own and everything. I'm sure he asked Sigroy and Frank why they didn't go. Um, and if he did, I don't, obviously, I don't remember the answer why. But I mean, you know, they're they're comfortable where they were. They enjoyed the United League, whatever. Um, everyone has a re- or the Quebec League's just too crazy, you know. Like I know some guys that were super tough that weren't going to go to that league because they're just like, no, I'm not fighting twice every night. You know, they just it's too much, which I completely understand. It's certainly not for everybody. Um, but I would say those names were were surprising. Just 
just for the fact, like, I mean, I guess Yablonski and them, Yablonski and Sigroy, I could see, because they were still sort of getting American Hockey League deals. So I under, or, and then went over to the K, well, Yablonski went over to the KHL, made big money over there. So I understand them not coming. Um, well, Sigroy bounced around a lot, so I'm surprised he, I'm surprised he just didn't come in for maybe even just a couple shots, just to, you know, for some extra bucks. Um, that actually surprised me. Um, you know, I'm sure they've, they offered him the moon, I'm sure. So, I don't know why. I'd like to ask him. Um, but, but Sen, Willis, and Wagner, and Little John, um, Wagner was sort of out of hockey by the time the Quebec League really started rolling with all the money. I mean, I know he came into Danbury and got booted out, whatever, but that's kind of a one-off deal. But I'm surprised, again, with the Quebec League, he didn't come in and do the exact thing he did with Danbury. But, yeah, but I think Little John and Willis could have done really well in that league. Like, just from a playing standpoint, they could have played quite well. Um, I think they could have done quite well as players. Um, but, yeah, they definitely would have had to fight more. And maybe at that time in their career, they just didn't really want to, which is completely understandable. But they would have made a lot more money. But, <laughs> you know, everything has its price, right? So, but, yeah, those are the guys I would say I'm surprised that didn't uh, didn't come to the L&H. And uh, what was the last question? Oh, guys that I've com- I've completely done 180s on. Um, eh. I've often talked on this show about guys that back in the day, because I mean, every team had you know two, three, four guys. You could be, <laughs> I said, you could you could afford to beat Shoesy. Um, now I just sort of like everybody that fights because there's like seven guys that fight. Um, probably, I guess the two sort of main names um, were probably it's probably Chris Nyland and Jay Miller. Are the two guys um, growing up couldn't stand either of them? I couldn't tell you why. It's not like they did anything that I don't know why. There was just some guys that I just didn't like. I don't know if it was their style or um, or what. I have no idea. I just was not a fan. Not to say I didn't think they were any good. I mean, there's guys I don't like that were uh, that are awesome. Well, well, Brashear there. I can't stand Donald Brashear, but I have him in my top ten of all time. You know, but I can't stand them. So it has nothing to do with me thinking that they were lousy or anything. It was just something about Nyland and Jay Miller that bugged me. Which is weird with Jay Miller, because it's like, he's like kind of a spitting image of Carl Rack. You know, I'm a huge Youngblood fan, hence my intro to this show. So I'm surprised I didn't like him, because he looks like Carl Racky. Um Yeah, I don't, I I really don't know what it is on, the, on either guy. Um... Nyland, of course, when he came out with the documentary is when I got a whole new appreciation for his work. And then, you know, and then I went back and then I went down that rabbit hole because, of course, Drop Your Gloves was still around back then. So it made the search a lot easier. And, yeah, I just went down the Nyland rabbit hole and just, um, I always respected the work that he put in because, I mean, the guy fought everybody in Montreal, was a great enforcer, stuck up for the boys. I mean, there was no denying it. And same with Jay Miller. I mean, they're tremendous. Um, but again, if somebody says, why didn't you like him? I, I can't, I'm not trying to cop out, but I really can't give a solid, good answer on why I did, why I didn't. I have no idea. But, um, like I said, as I've gotten older and I'd like to say a little wiser and see things with different, you know, my, with different older eyes. Um, yeah, I have a really appreciation for both those guys and Nylon was a scrappy guy and, um, you know, where fights the most exciting things? I don't know, but you know, and he was kind of an undersized, but he got in there and fought everybody. And and Jay Miller, I mean, man, oh man, you go back through the Bruins days, and whew, he, he didn't lose many. Um, real solid win loss record, and uh, and again fought everybody, hung with Brown, and um, you know, of course, the Brown fights are legendary. The Cordic fights, his rivalry with John, and yeah, he um, well, his fights with Nyland for that matter. Um, a couple Boston guys, so, yeah, I think those two, I mean, there's probably a bunch of guys, but those two off the top of my head were kind of the two biggest names that I kind of did 180s on, would be Chris Nyland and Jay Miller, for sure, but, uh, yeah, there we go, guys, it's almost an hour in of me yammering away, and I thought, see, I didn't say I'll be quick this time, because every time I say I'm going to be quick, I end up talking for an hour, so, um, there we go, uh, another episode in the books. Um, I hope, uh, for anybody, for some new listeners, I hope I didn't bore you to death, but, uh, yeah, this is kind of what we do on the show here. I, you know, I just sort of, 
Um, you know, if I don't have a guest, uh, yeah, I just kind of do stuff like this or, a talk, you know, a list or maybe I'll find an old article we'll talk about or, um, stuff that happened on the message board that day and, and like much like the probert topics. So kind of do that. And like I said, it's an old school fight talk that, uh, I mean, you're not going to get on any other, I don't know any show that's doing this. So it, it's definitely sort of an old, old school vibe around here. So um, if you're new to the show, thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you stick with me. Um, like I said, I have some player interviews come out. Um, got a number of different, not only player interviews. Um, I like to have another thing I do with the players, a uh, certain series called Five Toughest Opponents, where, where the name says it all. We break down their five toughest opponents and kind of go into each, you know, each a guy and, you know, why, what made him tough and maybe a different style of fight and what have you. And we kind of do that and break it down. Um, they're obviously a little shorter than the interviews. Um, but that's one. And another series that I just debuted, uh, was a couple episodes ago. I'm calling season ticket. And, uh, basically I, I'll talk to a, a fellow fight fan that was in that area for that year. Um, or, a, or a, an ex player. And we'll talk, we'll just talk a specific season of their career or in the fans case where I had Jay from Iowa. He's a big, he's a quad city mallet season ticket holder forever. I just told him to pick a year, and he picked um, the 05-06 season. And, uh, yeah, we just went through the year and through the team, all the different teams. And, obviously, it's fight-heavy, and we talked about the tough guys on each team. But we also bring up, um, you know, the score. The, you know, obviously, the, the leading scorers or veterans from that league, like, a, you know, Drew Bouchard or what have you. Robin Bouchard, we talked about him. And, you know, and just... In the his 0506 UHL season, so we talked about the Danbury team, and of course Jay went to all the arenas back then as well. So we did road trips and just talked about the different ranks and the vibe and that type of thing, and the different fighters, and I, and it was received really well. Um, I actually heard from a few from a few players from that that played that season in the United League, and they said Jay and I did a really good job. And uh, well, it was all Jay. I mean, I was just sort of you know, like I said, I just sort of hit record throughout names. Um, Jay was the one with all the info, but, um, you know, they, it was, it was a real, a real treat for them to hear the, the, uh, season rehashed and, and told again and talked about and some memories and, uh, same with some fans. And like I said, the feedback was great and, uh, and it's, it is definitely something I'm going to do again. Um, you know, like I said, we're going to do, I have a guy hopefully lined up for an OHL season, uh, back in the Lindros days, um. Um, trying to get a guy lined up for an IHL year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm going to try to find maybe different fans that were like season ticket holders back then and went to all the games and, and, uh, all the different leagues, AHL, IHL. But hey, we'll do NHL seasons as well. Like, obviously there's massive fans that were, you know, they watched all the Flyer games back then or all the Bruins and we'll, we'll do the 87, 88 year or something. I don't know. I think it's just a different series to do. Like I said, I'm not going to do it every week because there is some work that goes into it. But I think it's just another series, um, you know, because it's only so many interviews you can do or so many, like the solo, the top 10 episodes. There's only so many of those I can do. And you, like I said, when you're, when it's an original content show twice a week, you run out of original content. So, or it's hard to come up with stuff all the time. So, um, this is just sort of another, like I said, it's another, well, arrow in the quiver, but another another bullet in the chamber, um, you know, that you could, it's a different series that I can do. And I think, and it also allows me, because I've had players on where I've done the interview with them. Then I have them on for their five toughest opponents. But some guy, like I said before, there's a lot, I mean, all the guys I like talking to, but there's some guys I really enjoy talking to. And I think they're really good storytellers. And I think this series would really lend to their ability to tell a story. And I have a few guys in mind that, yeah, I've had them on a few times, but I think if I give them a season and we look into it and have them, you know, I'm not just going to phone them up. No, tell me about 99, 2000, you know, oh, okay, uh, well, this guy, you know, no, I'll give them a, well, I'll tell them like, what was the most maybe rewarding year of your career? What was a crazy year in your thing? You know, and we'll pick a year, we'll go through the rosters and then, you know, we'll hit record and I think give you guys a really good product. And like I said, with this show, it's always going to be fight heavy, hashtag enforcer based podcasting. So it, it'll always surround that. I mean, we're, you know, but if there's some crazy incidents or something that happened, we'll definitely talk about that as well. So I don't know. It's just another series to try out. I'm really happy how the first one turned out. Um, 
like I said, I'll refine it. It'll get better as the, as time goes on. But Jay was great, was prepared, told some great stories. There's a lot of wild UHL year. And, um, yeah. And as we do the different leagues, different years, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to, to doing more. So, um, yeah, we'll be doing that. So, like I said, stick with the show, guys. There's, uh, I'll try to ma- always mix it up for you guys. Try to give you something a little different each week. And, uh, like I said, it's, when it's original content for a few hours every week, it's tough. You know, the NHL shows, these guys got it easy. They just review the games that happened and the content's created for them. But when you're an original show, it's, uh, you know, you're always looking for ideas or stories or what have you. So, um, and it can get tough sometimes, not going to lie. But uh, I think the, I think the new series will be fun. So there we have it. If you happen to be on social media, guys, check me out on Twitter, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, as well as Fourth Line Voice on Facebook and YouTube. I have over 2,700 videos on my YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice. Um, subscribe to the channel. Always trying to put some stuff up. Uh, at any rate, 2,700 videos. There's plenty to go watch. So. Uh, just type in whatever league you're looking for in the search engine. Boom, it'll come up. I have everything sorted. So any league, junior to pro, it's all there. And um, other than that, guys, um, I know I always say this, but I know I don't want to ask too much of you, but um, one, whatever platform you're listening to, whether it be iTunes or Spotify or whatever you're listening to, if you could rate and review my show, it really helps me out in the searches. Um, if somebody listens to a certain show, they'll you know, shows similar to, I'd be, then my show would be listed for them to check out. But that's all due to the reviews, apparently. So if you could rate and review my show, um, I would really appreciate that. And I know this always sounds hokey, but I, the number of people that said they didn't know has been surprising. So that's why I say it now. If you could actually download my show, please don't stream it. I literally get, I do get paid by the download. So help old Darren out. If you could download my show, it would be greatly appreciated. Not only for the, obviously, the financial benefit, but uh, it actually, analytic-wise, it helps too. You can just see who's listening and, and the numbers and how you're doing. And if something worked, if something didn't work, what have you. Uh, when you stream it, unfortunately, those numbers aren't there, so you don't know. So um, if, if you could download it, that would be tremendous. But uh, I, I, always found, I, I, I feel greasy saying that all the time, but... It's true. I'm, you know, what can I say? But um, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. And um, yeah, I'll talk to you guys again on Sunday. Well, well, I'm saying that now. Actually, by the time you hear me on Sunday morning, I will be on the big jet airliner in the sky because we leave super early, 6 a.m. Sunday morning. Um, so um, when you're tuning in and you're listening to the podcast, I will be in the friendly skies. And uh I hope, uh, and then for next one, blah, blah, blah. So, but I will have stuff scheduled to put out and, uh, you won't even know I'm gone folks, but, uh, I will talk to you guys all on Sunday and, uh, yeah. All right, everybody take it easy. And, uh, like I said, I'll be back from Vegas in a few weeks. And, uh, but in the meantime, I'll have some shows for you, but when I get back, I will, hopefully I have some Vegas stories for you too. I'd like to say it's going to be, I could talk about a few jackpots, but we'll see. Hopefully we'll see lady luck. We'll see what, we'll see if she's smiling down on me or not, but it'll be fun nonetheless. So, all right, everybody, everybody stay safe out there and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks guys. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 